All right, we are accepting calls this hour from time travelers only. If you have traveled in time, or you are presently a traveler to this time, then we want to hear from you. Otherwise, the phone lines are closed, but for that group, they are certainly open. Uh, with that in mind, uh, top of the morning to you on the wild card line. You are on the air. Hello. Hello. Anywhere you can hear my voice right now, hackerhameen.podbeam.com, theinfinitefringe.podbeam.com, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Truth Frequency Radio, all over the place. Also, America Unplugged over at Iconic. Welcome. Hope everybody's doing well. Things are, uh, you know, tend to uh, looking like they're stabilizing just a little bit here in the United States, but uh, you never know what's around the corner. 2020 has had so many surprises for all of us. If you want to call them surprises, man, unpleasant surprises, let's say that. It's been it's been a hell of a thing here. But my buddy, my pal from Iconic, from Glitch in the Code, a filmmaker extraordinaire, ladies and gentlemen, has released a documentary that he was kind enough to put me in. Um, Mr. Richard Willett is here. How are you? Um, I'm glad that you have time to join me today. It's always a pleasure speaking to you. As you know, what is going on? Welcome back to the Infinite Fringe. Cheers, mate. It's lovely to be here. Um, love to be chatting with you as, as always, um, and getting bashing through some of these this nonsense that we've been going through. What a mad, mad six months it has been. I still, I think we're all kind of still a bit shocked. In the UK at the moment, they're telling us four days ago they're telling us that that we can't go on buses without face masks and we can't go in <laughs> hospitals without face masks, and they're just telling us today that all the shops are opening Monday. So it's clear that it's a psyop from day one. And I think me and you knew that and a lot of people that do this work that did that knew that. It's coming quite becoming quite obvious to even um, even the general person who even the elderly person that this is a load of nonsense now. Um, but the confusion is there. It's almost like we've all been in a massive car crash and we're all wandering around a bridge afterwards seeing the smashed up cars going, What what happened? Right. And we're picking up the pieces and we're looking at each other. For going, I don't fully understand what's happened. <laughs> so the documentary was a little. What I wanted to do was document that, the process of the confusion happening, and I think in Private Panic, <laughs> which is out on Vimeo at the moment, uh, on the, and uh, you can get it on Iconic, but you can buy and rent it on Vimeo. Um, I wanted to document the process of our, the people that look into these things and um, seeing everything we've been saying is going to happen, happen, and I think it's one of those films you're going to look back in ten years' time and go, Jesus. Look how confused we were because we were answering questions during it. We were we were trying to figure it out during it. And it's really captured a moment in time that will hopefully never happen again if we never allow it to happen again. And that's a real big point towards the end of the film is that these things have happened because really, in general, the vast majority of people 
allowed it to happen. And now look what's going on with you guys over there. Um, I'm watching all the news of this Black Lives Matters and it looks like New York's crashing and burning. And then I'm coming here and talking to you. And it seems almost like it's nothing like we're being told over here. It is over there. Um, it's madness. And and I think that we're just all very confused by it all, which is the chaos part of the, what was supposed to happen all along. So I think that the whole chaos is going to go on. It's never going to go back to how it was. I don't think that even should do. But I think we're coming out of this like you're coming out of an abusive relationship and we're all a little bit shaken and confused by it all. And we're different people now than we were even 12 weeks ago. Agreed. 100%. I couldn't have put it better myself. You know, it's, it's like we're all disorientated trying to figure out what the hell hit us. And all of us are in different angles, looking at it in different ways, trying to figure out the same event, you know, and, and that's the best way I can possibly put it. Listen, in here in New York, yeah, shit did hit the fan, right? But it's, it's not everywhere. And you, you said a couple of things there that ring so true, you know, because I am a totally different person than what I was a month ago, two months ago, three months ago completely my outlook is completely different i'm looking at people differently i'm looking at a ton of stuff differently after this i'm just sitting down and i'm like wow what is going on you know even myself some of my beliefs you know and some of the things i used to think and and uh and how easily i would i would fall into something back then no more you know about a lot of things that giving people passes all stuff like that it, it's it's uh it's changed and it's because of this event so it's a pivotal event for mankind we already know that Right. But one thing that I and everybody talks about how deceitful the media is, the media is very deceitful, but there are levels to this. The media can't be trusted to tell you just about anything. Um, and we've been saying that many, many times. But let's look at this. Are there riots going on in New York City and around the United States? Absolutely. Has it been carnage? Absolutely. Is it everywhere? No, it's not. You know, it's just not. Most people are all right. You know, can I go get myself involved in some shit? Absolutely. Ten minutes from here, five minutes from here, they looted the entire place. Destroyed it. You know what I did? I stayed home. I ordered a pizza. We watched movies with the family. And we relaxed. I'm like, I'm not going out there for anything in the world. I'm not going out there to loot. And I'm certainly not going out there to test these police. Right? I'm not doing that. So, but if you want to. If you want to get involved in it, it's very accessible. Right now, actually, it's pretty calm. But it's, it's in pockets here. So the media makes it seem as if everything is, you know, the, the Bronx in its entirety. The Bronx is pretty big. You know, it's only in, in, in I don't know, in, a, in a, few, a few, I don't know, five to eight blocks at, uh, in, over in, uh, in Fordham Road here in the Bronx uh, where that happened. You know, right here in my neighborhood, it's like a, like a, a beautiful summer day. You go skipping down a street, you're not going to see a damn thing. You know, so it's, it's beautiful. It's been a good thing. Thank the Lord. But the media will blow it up as if it's something else. And they did the same thing with COVID-19 and these hospitals. And that was the doubt. That was the doubt. Everybody was like, what is going on here? You know, we want to, we, we're looking at uh, a mayhem and, and, and a war zone. But it wasn't that. The media can't be relied on for just about anything. I mean, you have to watch for certain things. You have to use discernment is what it is. And uh, 
and hope that you're picking out the right thing. Go ahead, Richie. No, I agree. I remember when um when they tore down, I think it was Saddam Hussein's statue, and they filmed it. Well, they filmed it, so it looked like there was thousands of people. But when you actually pan the camera out, there was a maybe 150, 160 people there. It wasn't the thing that they were saying. And then right. I think they before they pulled it down, they had to get someone to go back up for a photo opportunity to put the American flag over the top of his face because that didn't happen. So they redid it. So what? If I think I'd I'd I'd, uh, I'd suggest um, anyone looks how me looks into how media is made, how content is made, down to the fact of how you film things from certain angles, how you crop things out to make things look a certain way. Like in a horror film, are, are brilliant. Horror films are a really great way to study how psychology works in film. What they'll do is they'll put their little bit of Jaws music in the background to hear the baddie coming, um, but they'll also have a shot where you'll stand you'll stand close to the camera, but you'll leave a little way over your shoulder. That little way suggests science, psychology-wise, psychologically, that someone might come in behind you. These little tricks are used in the news on purpose. So if you look how psycho- um, psychology of creation of content made, you'll understand when you watch the news how ridiculous and farcical it is if you know how these things are made. I've just seen, I think it was Mayor Bill de Blasio, um, doing a conference and he's standing there with a pit. I mean, the camera angle is so piss poor that he's standing in the middle and he's got one woman to the right, one um, a black guy to the left, black guy to the right, a black girl to the right, blatantly to obviously fan the flames of this nonsense. I bet you if you pan that camera out, there's probably maybe two other people in that room. I bet you that some of these conferences that Boris Johnson's being, uh, being done are not even in the building that they say they're in. They're in other rooms. It's what you crop out of the picture. And that's the same way as editing is incredibly powerful. I can do an interview with someone. A lot of the interviews that are actually in Prime for Panic were done for other things at times and used within Prime for Panic because we talked about some of the, some of the subjects. They let me, edit let me get, let me what get you in here see real in the quick, world. Real quick. Sorry to interrupt you, buddy. But I, I want you to talk about Prime for Panic. Just give the people a little bit of an overview of what this film is. Like, you know... um. What mm-hmm. you what you seek to accomplish with it, you know, and and uh, the people that were in it, the whole deal. Just give them a quick overview before we dive into it. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Um, Prime for Panic is a documentary about the what happened when the lockdown started, the initial reactions to people that I knew and are going around us, and it documents the whole process. And then it also looks into the effects it has on your mental health and documents the effects it's having on a mental health. It documents the effect the effects the economy is going to go through is now going through. We were talking about that before it was happening. It also talks about 5G being rolled out. It also talks about the um, artificial technology. It talks about the tracking technology. This is before this was all starting to come out because we know beforehand from the work and research we've done, this stuff was all ready to roll. So it talks about the fallout from the lockdown. It's not talk, doesn't talk about whether COVID-19 is a real thing or not because that's a mute point regardless, in my opinion, now. I think we're way past that now. It's only in, it's only going to be more relevant when they try and do a second phase, which I believe they will do. But who's to say that's not a completely different thing anyway? It's the, the effect. So this was talking about the effect that it's going to have, especially in terms of technology, especially in terms of things like the Rockefellers lockdown, um, sorry, lockstep. Um, you've just seen the um, Great Reset, Prince Charles of all people, a bloody Nazi, they're talking about the Great Reset, I mean, yeah, just trust these people. 
And and this is the problem we were, we were pointing out in the film is that these people have a lot of things that are going to roll out. Watch for this. Watch for that sign. Watch for this sign. And this is where we're heading. I think we've actually done a very good job in the alternative media of actually stemming the tide of this in a very, very good way. And I think they've failed in a lot of areas that they wish they did. And they've overplayed their hand because, as David Icke says, you've got psychopaths telling idiots what to do. And the idiots completely have cocked it up, completely cocked it up. And what they've done is they've they've underestimated the ability for people to get bored of things within four weeks. At first, it'll feel shocking. Four weeks later, people will go, can't be asked, Can't be asked to stay in. Can't be asked not to get, I can't be asked to put the mask on. Because that's human nature. We, we get scared and then we just, after a little while, we go, we're very adaptable. We're just going, oh, I'm not doing that. That's nonsense. And they've not really thought about that. So the whole film is about what's going to happen off the back of the lockdown. Not really, not about the COVID-19 and all the things to look out for that are going to roll out, that are still going to roll out within the next 10 years. It's just that I think that we've slowed them down a bit. We've, we've pushed back the tide a little bit, but nowhere near. They're not going to stop. And um, and then it goes into who's behind it, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the banking families. And I keep trying to tell people, stop looking at Boris Johnson, stop looking at, I mean, Donald Trump, he's CIA, his uncle was CIA, he's a, a Christian Zionist, he's a bloody Heritage Foundation supported, right. supported by the Mercers. Look at them, don't, don't worry about them. Go and look at the bankers, the ones that control your money. They're the ones that have a hand in everything. Even as George Soros is answers to these bankers. It's the banking cartels. It's the black nobility. So in the film, I try and edge that into stop dicking around in the dirt and look for who's actually controlling about controlling this because you can soon get grabbed back into politics. And that's what they try to do with the identity politics now. Anything from looking at the bankers, anything from looking at the black nobility, I suggest anyone go to look, look, research is the black nobility because that has a huge effect on what is happening in your, in your world and your children's world. And um, the great the great reset is just another version of what they've always tried to do. So eugenics programs, an it's an ideology of an elite race, an elite bloodline taking over the rest of the planet. It sounds ludicrous. It is ludicrous. They're ludicrous. But we still can't live in it. And that's the film kind of points you in that direction. That's what I wanted to do with it. Head, it was a heads up, really. Very good, very good. It's fantastic, man. I thought you did an excellent job on it. So many different researchers that I wasn't aware of, you know, like, and, and that's always good. You sit there and watch uh, different people. You think you know everybody, and I said this with you before, but, you know, more and more you don't know. And these are people with huge followings, and I had no idea who the hell they were. You know, so it's good mm. to see that. You also mentioned uh, that, um, you know, we, we did a good job at staging this stuff off. And if I agree with you to a certain degree on that. Um, I also agree with you that we've been digging our, our heads in the sand and not uh, really looking at the real problem, me included. Right. And, uh, and I, I will I will take that, you know, and uh, I kind of want to dig my head in that hole a little while longer, to be honest with you. But I do want to look at the real problem, and, and that's the, the, the big overall picture here. And we've been sounding the alarm for that for quite some time. I know you have. I definitely have. I've done it here on The Fringe. I've done it on America Unplugged. So there's a couple of things here. And you touched on it on the film. It's uh, the technocracy that's coming, right? And that's not even coming. It's freaking here. We can't even say it's coming anymore. It is here. 
We're just not fully immersed in it to the point that they want us to be at this point. Right. And we've been warning about that for some time. And the whole COVID-19 situation has allowed them to expedite that process to take 10, 20, 30 steps where they would have taken one, two. This is what's happening here. So one thing I do want to address, and I, and I want your thoughts on it. We are saying here in, in, in the alternative media that this narrative has fallen apart, right? And, um, and that, um, you know, they, they, they didn't accomplish what they wanted to accomplish. And that's why they pulled off the quote-unquote race wars, which, man, they, they, we've been sounding the alarm about, about the race wars for quite some time, too. And good Lord, it looks like they're going to freaking pull it off because people are pissed. And we can talk a little bit about that if you wish. Um, but I think these people have uh, checked off every box they wanted to check off with COVID-19. It doesn't matter if it's falling apart at this point. It's what we need to look forward to, which is what you pointed out in the film. What's coming? I, that's the end game here. What's coming? What, what are they going to push us to as a result of COVID-19? Just like what they did to us after 9-11, Right. We can still investigate 9-11. I'm still doing it to this day. But the fact of the matter is, TSA is here, and we've lost so much um, uh, liberties as a result of 9-11. Same thing for COVID-19. That's what we need to be looking at going forward. Go ahead, sir. No, I agree. This is the work we do, isn't it, Billy? We we give people a heads up. That's, that's all we do. We, we, we point out what's coming, and we try and get people out of the way of the, of the railway, of the, the, the train coming through. That's all we do. It's another way of protecting people. It's another way of of standing in the way of the bully and going, look, this person's bullying you. That's all we're trying to do is give people a heads up of look what's coming because this has been planned out for for hundreds of years. Not down to the fine detail because technology comes along, technology changes. These people are so ruthless. They they chuck each other under the bus. I mean, you will find an Epstein who's halfway up the hill. And it will just be down at the bottom because it's all about their agenda and their plan. And as you, you say, it's a technocracy. It's a technocracy now, but it's a technocracy because that's what's best to fulfill the agenda that they have right now. So the technology is there to be able to do what they want to do. But it's the same thing that they wanted to do 60 years ago when they didn't have right. perhaps the technology that they wanted to do. It's still the same thing. Cull the herd. Keep us manageable. Keep us docile, keep us controlled, and um, lord over us. So keep control of the money, control of the food, control commerce, control the economy, which is the biggest one in my opinion. Even mind controllers control the media. They're all aspects of this, but what it really is is they want to control. They want to eugenics is to just cut us down to a manageable level and control us and get us to do their work for them. They're, they're minions. That's exactly what it was. And it's almost like the human experiment back in the days of the Anunnaki got completely out of control. Tried to get rid of us with a flood already, but for some reason we seem to have spread back after that. <laughs> like roaches. And we won't go away. Like roaches, yeah. <laughs> we won't go away because our human spirit will never go away. And I think they know that deep down. But what it is is the same agenda. Control humanity, keep them as slaves. That's all it is. So then what we need to look at is who is it? Who is this? It. Who is they? And that's my most passionate part, is that who is they? Everything else falls under the they. And um, the closest I can come to it is black nobility, Sabatine Frankies, which is the, the, the cultist side, and um, the banking elite. 
And I'm sure there's levels above that I don't know about. And everything else comes underneath that. So everything we do, Billy, is about going, look who, who the abusers are. Right. Look at them. And some people believe they're not even human. I could go along with that. We've had chats about that. So can I, Why yeah, not? I could definitely I'd go along totally with that. go along with that. They don't behave like me and you, and they certainly sleep at night when doing things that me and you would never be able to even live with ourselves doing. So in that aspect, they're not human because they have no humanity. So what we're looking at now is what me, our job, my job and my passion is going, look at the right abuser. Look at them. But the technocracy is their, their, their current weapon. As you say, we've got contact tracing out now. We've got We'll have ID badges soon. We'll have tattoos soon. Was it that dot thing that Bill Gates wants out? ID 2020, biometrics in our arms. I mean, it's it's utter insanity. I read an article this morning, and I didn't even know this. In 1997, there was the first human cloning and company was set up. In 1997. The first person to sign up to that, by the way, was apparently Michael Jackson, which I still need to look into. But that would open up a lot wow. of understanding of what I've been researching. Wow. Um, so human cloning has been looked into openly since late 90s. I mean, it's been way before that. So these people are eugenicists. And I think the biggest thing we're realising right now is if you look at Bill Gates, you look at George Soros, you look at um, IBM, who were part of um, IBM funded most of the technology for the Nazis. Well, it's George IBM also funded Bill Gates to start Microsoft. It's these are eugenicists, and I do believe one of the best books I've read, I've read about this is Jim Mars, The Fourth Right, which I'm reading at the moment, because I do believe these are the same people as the, the Nazi party. Not the same individuals, it's the same ideology. And that's what it comes through, through that ideology of, of using that, them techniques. You did some interviews on that book with George Nori, Coast to Coast AM. They're fantastic. I'm going to throw it your way. Because, you know, he gives different insight that, you know, he didn't write down in the book. You know, it's always good to hear the words of the man. You know, so I always uh, uh, liked uh, what Jim Mars did. I always followed his work, you know, and uh, I was going to reach out to him to come on the fringe. And uh, he passed away. It was what it was. God bless him. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to send those over your way. Let's talk a little bit more about the film and the people you have in it. And uh, why? Why those people? Let's not talk about little old me. Let's talk about some other people that are that are in the film, um, in particular, um, the guy that sued everyone. That was interesting. Uh, uh, what, what about him? How'd you come, up, come about him? What's his, I forget his name, but uh, what, what, what about him made you put him in the film? Was that, there's two on there. I had to, there was one that, that came out, which was Serious Passer, who came the out um, of the film. Um, he was he actually isn't in the final cut because um, he has we had some disagreements over what he wanted in the film and what he didn't. <laughs> but Peter Serious Passer, um, he wrote some books about the AI technology and um, he put together a um, lawsuit for crimes against humanity against some of the biggest tech names in China. Um, so you're talking about Huawei and all of these uh, loads of them. He's got a book out. Um, I think it's called AI. And um, I can't remember. I'll have to put the link in there. But he's got a book out about it. He's got several books out about it. And he'd sued a lot of the technolo tech technology companies and the biggest names you've heard of for their crimes against humanity. And that was incredibly interesting. Um, <coughs> um, he came. I had to take him out of the film because um, we had a disagreement on. He was very pro-Trump. And I felt that he was very much using what he was saying to 
basically pushed the narrative of China as to blame. Well, you're not I wrong. I didn't there. agree with that. He, he is I didn't, incredibly pro-Trump. Uh, I looked him up, and uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. I get that. Um, I didn't know you had taken him out of the film, but go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you saw the pre the pre film. The newer yeah. film's got. Um, I actually so some of the similar content comes from from a good friend of a mutual friend of ours, um, Wayne McCroy, um, who talks about similar stuff, and I love Wayne's work. Wayne's um, his book, um, the Alchemical Tech Revolution, right. is very. It takes a more esoteric look at it, but it's similar themes, and I believe his stuff. Where he's talking about how they're going to do the prophecy and bring about the um, the rapture through this technology. Um, using these same technologies is a, is a, is an equally important understanding of how they could use these technologies in another psyop, which I'm surprised that they haven't used, but I believe that they could use it at some point. So Sirius, um, he still, I think he didn't really expect the lawsuit to go through, but it took brought a lot of attention to the information he has, and he has some great work out there. Um, I think it's called the AI. It's called the AI Organization. You can find his YouTube channel, the AI Organization. There's some fantastic information in his videos about that, about the actual technology and what they're bringing out and, and down to the detail of some of these strange things that they want to put in you, including mesh on the brain and um, being able to put, so that holds the implants in there the and connecting you to the clouds, which we know Elon Musk is desperately trying to do. It's connect you to the cloud. I mean, it's all about transhumanism. This The Great Reset um, by the World, e- World Economic Forum has just talked about connecting you to be- being superhumans. They put it as superhumans. I put that as devolution and subhuman. Right. But th- it's the same themes, do you know what I mean, over and over again. Another guy who's in there, Simon Dolan, who's, who's actually suing the um, UK um, government for the lockdown saying it was against um, it was a crime against humanity, which I believe I think I'd be very hard to argue it isn't. Something was a lot of people don't know is that the Coronavirus Act in the UK was actually didn't go through any votes in the Houses of Parliament, didn't go through any votes in the House of Commons. That makes it a dictatorship in my view. If it's gone through no voting system, you've slid it under one door and out the other, that's a dictatorship. So it appears that they've basically just rushed that through. They've called it in times of emergency. And something I'm reading into now that correlates with that is the, um, I think it's, I can't remember what it was called, it's the, the Nazis did it as well, the Enabling Act of 1933. If you look at the Enabling Act and the Coronavirus Act of 2020, they're so similar, it will wow. shock you. The rights that it takes away from you is absolutely spot on. So these two things co- correlate. So um, that to me, again, screams these are the same people doing the same thing. Um, who else is there? Richard Grannon, good friend of mine, Spartan life coach. He's a psychologist. Um, he's not. He's yeah, he is. Yeah, he's a psychologist, and he works with. He we've done a series about the R complex and the reptilian brain, and he talks about how the reptilian brain is behind a lot of this, and how social media has inflam, um, inflamed it all. And he talks about the psychological effects of being locked in your house, psychological effects of all of this propaganda, propaganda even. And um, he's a great guy, actually. If you go to the Spartan Life Coach, his stuff is, is is fantastic to talk about psychology and the psychology of how we tick. Especially, he talks about um, the psychology of psychopaths and the psychology of narcissists and people cluster B personality disorders. Richard Grannon will point out in, in his videos how clear the psychology behind these psychopaths is. And that's incredibly important to know. So he adds a great bit. Laura Eisenhower, the uh, great-granddaughter of President Eisenhower. She's great. I love Laura. 
she was great she added a lot of um the esoteric stuff towards the end so i tried to kind of take you through the the economic stuff and then and then we end up in um off-world reptilian stuff and i love <laughs> that's the stuff i love anyway but i've learned that you can't just shove that in at the start so we we go into talking about the archons and and that energy and how that possibly is behind the psychology of these psychopaths so it does take you on a journey of these types of people um so she's in there um i can't remember talking about obviously yourself wayne mccroy's in there talking about the technology side of it David we've got dr robin kelly's talking right. about the 5g technology um how they ushered tried to usher in 5g very very quickly even trump rolled it out rolled out 5g i've just spent five months making a documentary with jamie ike gareth um david ike's son about the dangers of 5g um, or emf technology emf waves on the um the bio the biology of your biology especially at 60 gigahertz where it starts to um it starts to block oxygen being taken around around the body by your blood so it blocks it so you then you then feelings of lethargy that tiredness that inability to concentrate that was only going to get worse if that that's the actual effect that it has so we talk about that um dr robin kelly's been a, a medical practitioner for over 40 years now and he's very concerned about the 5g technology and how it's affecting our um, blood cells how it's affecting our oxygen levels and everything to do with our biology so that's really great so it, it covers this is the problem, isn't it, Billy? When you start looking into these things, it goes everywhere. So part of your job is to try and rein it into some sort of cohesive understanding because it affects every point and every part of your life, every single thing. So where do you start and where do you finish? It's 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 a hard thing to do, especially as a filmmaker. Right, but um, I think you did a good job, right? So if uh, some people don't relate to something, they can relate to something else and take that and start digging in that direction and eventually they'll see that it all comes together because that's what everybody sees. You start dig everybody picked up one, one topic that they were like, whoa, I need to go investigate that. And then everything else became clear. That's just the way it works nine times out of 10. Excellent film, man. I thought you did a great job on it, man. Uh, David's in it. Uh, Max Egan is also in it. Um, talk about them just a little bit. Yeah, obviously David Icke, everybody knows David Icke. Max Egan's just as well known, I'd assume. Max, I love Max. What I love about Max is he lives it. He lives out in the sticks and um, he was kind enough to let me use some of his content in the film that added a lot of context to what was happening about the coronavirus, especially over there. They just got out of all of these. I mean, it's like it never happened. All of these forest fires. I right. mean, that only happened for three months ago. And that was like the Australia's burning, New Zealand's burning. And then suddenly that never. See, these are the shocks that we've had. So he talks about that. He talks about the um, the lockdown and how it's affecting them over in um, Australia. Um, and how it's affecting him. He lives quite off grid, which is great. And he talks about how it fits in again to the AI technology stuff. So he brings a lot to the table about the the tracking systems that were being put in place for the 5G, which was quite a big part of the film because that really, as you say, is where it's going next. So that really is, they're the biggest signs you're going to see. It's, it's the technology that's going to be put in you, not on you, but in you. So he talks a lot about that. David is a wealth of all knowledge. I think he's the, the grandfather now of of conspiracy theorists. Yes. He's um a legend and, he, and he's a legend and he lives in his own little flat on the Isle of Wight. And everything you see about David is true. I've met him plenty of times now and worked with him a few times. I know his son very well, um Jamie. And he provides, we had an interview that we'd already done 
for a different film that we never used in the film. And I was like, I've got this interview. Jamie, can I put it in the film? We talk about a lot of the concepts, especially about AI. Most of his stuff goes around the technology. This interview was actually filmed before any of this start, before the lockdown started. We filmed that in, when did we film that? When I was in Isle of Wight. I think it was in January. Might be in early February. So before the lockdown started happened, we were talking about five about the technology. And I had this part in the film where I wanted to talk about the technology we're rolling out. So when you'd speak, hear David talking about the stuff in the film, he's actually talking about it before any of this stuff rolled out. Wow. So it's just another great way of looking at the content that he's coming out with and going, shit, it's coming true. It used to happen 30 years later. Now it happens two months later. That's how quick it's speeding up. So he talks about a lot of the technology that now you see coming out, especially the, the, the most nefarious one was the contact tracing for me was like I'm not having someone stand near me. I even bought one of those cases you put your phone in because I'm not I, I didn't want someone knocking on my door because I know how pissed off that would make me. Um <laughs> so and again actually I've seen none of that. I've got another theory of what's happened there, um, which we could go into in a minute. But David, what is there left to say about David? His work is incredible. He's got a new book coming out in August called The Answer and he started writing that last summer about a week after we I was there for the launch of The Trigger, which was his last book about 9-11 <coughs> and the people behind it, which mostly comes back to the Sabatee and Frankists. Um, and he was two days later writing The Awakening. I'm sorry, The Answer. It wasn't called The Answer then, but it is now. And you can pre-order that on Amazon. I'm doing a little plug for them, him there. Okay. So um, so he was already on writing that book. And then this all happened during the writing of the book. So it goes into that towards the end, I believe. I believe the last few chapters are about this. So, I mean, he's been writing about this for so long. I think he's up to about 28 books now, and it's uh, it's incredible. And it's not conspiracy stuff. A lot of it is spirituality. But he writes a lot about the technocracy, and um, and I would uh, I would I, if, if you want to look in the technocracy, I would say him and Max Egan and Wayne. I really like Wayne's book because I hadn't heard any of that stuff before. Um, but there's so many other people doing so many other things. My weakest point is the political stuff. I'm not really too in the political stuff. I find that quite hard to follow. Um, but they're, yeah, they're the two, the, the two sort of, I suppose, main names in there. But I don't really like it like that. I mean, they, they've let me use their stuff. And the point was I wanted to test how, how could we make a film if we were locked down for four or five years? How could we still function and get this information out? Um, it was an experiment in that. And I actually think it come out really well because it actually looks like a film that was made in the spare of the moment. It looks like a documentary, not like a Netflix polished star one, which nothing wrong with that. It looks like an old school documentary where you used to just use bits here and bits there. And, and I like that style of cut and paste stuff. That's why I enjoyed YouTube documentaries so much. So having yourself in it as well, there's a there's a there's a great feeling of making a documentary that should be in the moment of Billy. Can I? Can I can I get you on the phone? Can we do an interview? I want to mung this in the timeline and edit this in. And there's a whole feeling of making it in the moment. So I feel like it's one of them films that will look, be looked back in 10 years' time and be much more powerful then than it is now, which I think is the sign of a good documentary, in my opinion. I think you're right, man. I think it's um, it's going to be very interesting to look back at, at the film 10 years from now and see what develops and see how much of it actually comes true. And I'm... I, Unfortunately, I'm going to go out on a limb and say at least 90% of that stuff is going to happen, man. Unfortunately, 
And, and that's what I want to ask you about next, man. Where are we going, man? What, what are we going to do? How, how do we try to find a balance with all of this? I mean, we're going to have to push back. And uh, we're seeing what's going on here. And pushing back violently is just not the way to go. Because they're going to they're gonna co-opt it. And they're going to manipulate it. And they're going to put us against each other. Which is what's going down. I think um, uh, peaceful resistance is the best way to go about it. But how do we do it peacefully? You know, what do we do in order to push back on some of this stuff? Mandatory vaccinations are a real deal. Are they going to be mandatory, though? Or is it going to be like, yeah, law has passed. Everyone's got to take it. It's possible. I think they'll take a different route. I think they'll just make it next to impossible for people to live without taking this thing personally. And then they'll say, well, it's not mandatory. You don't have to take it. But, if, but you can't come into the store or you can't do X, Y, and Z. You know, so what, how do we, and, and I know this is a, a big question and none of, none of us have the answers to it, but speculate in that direction. How do we push back here effectively? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good thing. I think we're all thinking about it now and we're all, every single one of us that do, done this works. How, what can we do? I think the best, the only thing I can come up with, John Lennon said, um, he said the only, the thing they hate most is they, they hate nonviolence and they hate humor. So, when the trolls have a go at you, just say something stupid back, like a silly little remark. I do that often. Like I'll say Fanny, and that's <laughs> it. And I'll just leave it as Fanny, or just just something still because there's no point getting into it. They love the fight, and as you see with the riots that's happened now, and obviously a lot of it's been co-opted by the George Soros-funded Black Lives Matters. Um, a lot of that has been done on purpose, and it's like a dragnet, get dragged into it. I think the only thing I can think of is live simple. Because the more simple you live, the less things they can take away from you. So if you only need a small house and you only need your wife and you only need your kids and you only need a certain amount of food and a certain amount of money and you can still sit there and laugh and talk rubbish and play computer games and, and, and board games, then what else do you need? Get rid of all the shit you don't need because they'll take it from you. So live with the very bare minimum of what you actually need. And there's very little they can take away from you there. So then you can go, fuck you, I'm not having your, sorry for them, I'm not having your vaccine. And then they'll go, well, you won't be able to do this. You don't need to do that. Why do I need to travel to America? My wife's here. (laughs) Why do I need to go? I don't care. Well, you can't have this car and that. You can't have, you can't have, um, I don't know, you can't go till this holiday. You can't go, don't really need it. I'm just miserable in Spain as I am in England. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Do, Do you know what I mean? It's just like, it doesn't matter. I'm still me. And you should be able to have very little. So take away all the, get ready to get rid of all the excess you don't ever need. And they've spent the last 30 years allowing people to indulge in their own excesses, in the excesses. Everything you wanted, you became addicted to. So get ready to be, to withdraw like a drug addict from all the stuff you don't really need. And then there's very little they can take off you because you don't need it. Just ask yourself, is what, what are they saying I can't have if I don't have a vaccine? Do I really need it? Can I cope without it? I can, yeah. I'm quite adaptable. I'm a human being. How have we coped here? They can say, I can't travel over there. Oh, how am I going to make films? I made a film. I found another way around. I didn't need it because it was the information that was important. The stories are important. I can connect with you online. I don't need to come over there and sit with you in the living room. It would be lovely. But So I think that's the way forward is to get ready to get rid of everything you don't really need and think about what you actually do need to just have a nice, simple life. Get rid of your ego. You don't need to be a pop star. You don't need to be a millionaire. You don't need to tell everybody how amazing you are. 
Who really matters? It's your kids and your wife, maybe your mum and your dad. As long as you can see them, fuck the rest, excuse my language, but that really has to come back to what is really important because they'll only be able to take the things, in my opinion, away from you that aren't really important anyway. They've just convinced you you need them. They've just convinced you you want them. So no, you don't. You can make a film on an iPhone. You don't need to spend five grand on a camera. These, it's just a psychological thing. And um, so that's the best way is restructure what you see is important in life and get it right down to, okay, if you lock me in this house for the next three years, I could grow veggies in the garden. I'd miss my crisps and I'd miss my, my beer, but I'd live without it. If I, if I had to stay in the house, I've got my wife here and the kids are here. We'd have a laugh. We'd make up our own little fantasy then like we did used to kids. We'd make tents in the garden. We'd have a right laugh. We have to learn to live different. Like maybe we lived 40 years ago. That's the point. Let them take everything. Everything they've given us, let them have it back. Because I'm not having that vaccine. I'm not having my kids have that vaccine. Have it. Have all that stuff you want to take away from us. Don't need it. Never needed it. It's just nice to have it. And then that's the point. I mean, you re- read books like, um, I was the guy that was in um, in the uh, concentration camps and he, he found a meaning. That's how he got through it. I can't remember the name. I only read it recently as well. I don't remember. He found, a, he found a meaning. That's what got him through. He just found a reason to live and that was to help others. That was it. That's all he needed. A reason to get up in the morning. That's what they can, can't take away from you. So get it, narrow it back down to what you actually really need in life and what's important to you. And then, as you say, harden your edges, like you said earlier. Put your boundaries up. You can no longer be Mr. Love Everyone, Mrs. Love Everyone, because you're too vulnerable and you allow people in that deserve to come in, that treat you right, that treat you well, that respect you. Allow them in. Everybody else... Stay away. Can't deal with you. I don't need it. Your problem and your baggage isn't my baggage. Protect yourself. Protect your family and protect your small unit. And I think that comes down to communities again. We need small communities that help each other. Not towns. Not mega cities. Not smart cities with billions of people in them. We need little towns again. Spread it out. How hard is it if you have 40 kids all spread out in the woods? You can't keep an eye on them. If we're all together, you can keep an eye on them. So if we all spread out again, it's going to be harder for them to control us. Reverse it. Go backwards. Because we know we've been going emotionally backwards and technology forwards in the last 50, 60 years. And we've regressed to the point where we think people think that if you don't put a black square on your Twitter picture, that you're racist. It's utter madness. You can... You can fuck off with it, quite frankly, <laughs> because that's mental. Yeah. And I'm not having it. And call mental for mental. If something's mental, say that's mental. If there's something stupid, say that's stupid. And if they get offended, they got offended and they took offence. So you just have to get stronger, powerful, more powerful in yourself and go, no, not having it. No, protecting my own, not having it. And I think that's what you were alluding to maybe earlier on was about You've changed. You've become more protective of your family. You've become more lion-like of your family, of the things that really matter. So we'll all need to go back to finding that again. 
And like David says, the lion sleeps no more. What? We've been at it. We've become soft. And I don't mean mean. I don't mean attack. But defending is not the same as attacking. So virtue signaling is something that needs to just disappear. And I think that's the way. I mean, for me, that's the way is to is to just simplify everything and then protect myself. Yeah, man, I think those are the, the, the wisest words I've ever heard you say, to be honest with you, man. And I'm glad you said it here and not anywhere else, unless you have said it somewhere else. And I'm, I'm, I'm not getting the, <laughs> the original scoop here, but I like to think that I am. Um, you are 100% right. And that's a bitter pill to swallow. Just sitting here listening to you, right? And uh, one of my favorite songs, I, I don't know how much you're into classic rock, but uh, Leonard Skinner, 1970s, uh, put out a song called Simple Man. And I was like, you know, man, shit, I wish I would have wrote that song. And uh, I, I want to tell my kids the exact same thing that my mama told me, you know, and, and we live the way we live. And we're proud of the way we live. And we don't need all this other crap, right? Now, as time has, has, has gone on, I've gotten used to a certain amount of stuff. And you talked about withdrawal, and withdrawal is real. It is real. And we're all going to have to go through it in some way, shape, or form. And that's tough. And another thing that I found out is that people don't want to hear tough. People don't want to hear the real. They want to be catered to, whatever fits their worldview. And they want to go down that road, and they want to think that way. Richard, I think you're right, man. And it sucks that you're right. It really does. Um, even though, ultimately, it's the best thing for humanity, I think. You know, it, it's, it's, we have to go back to find ourselves, who we really are, the connections we can really make, and what we can do with our own human technology, the human tech, the real tech, the tech given to us by God, not the artificial you know, what we can do with it. I think that's the best way to go, to be honest. But the addiction is real. It's like sugar addiction. It's like heroin addiction. There is the addiction to technology. There is the addiction to modern day life. You know, let me just hop on this plane and let me go uh, visit Richard Willett, Willett real quick. That'd be dope. I think I'm going to do that this year, by the way. Uh, <laughs> before everything, you know, really hits the fan. You know, but uh, damn. It's tough. I'll be the first to tell you that it's tough. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are going to... It's, it's okay. It's, it's really easy to talk the talk. But when you actually have to walk down that road, it's a completely different story. So really stop and think about what Richard just said. Okay, really stop and think about it because it's incredibly deep. And it has a lot of separate layers to it that you need to examine before you say, Yeah, I can do that. Can you really? Can you really? And are you committed to doing that? It's going to be very, very tough. Damn, Richard, that was dope, man. That was dope. And, and uh, that's not what I was expecting, but it was what was needed at the time. <laughs> and it's needed in the future. So that, that's fantastic. Um, it's just a, a bitter pill to swallow. The truth hurts. It does. Every time. Every time. And if, if you're does, looking yeah. for the truth, it's, it's not, it's not going to be pretty. What be, not because the truth isn't um, isn't pretty on its own. It's because we've been fed so many lies that we don't know what the truth is supposed to look like at this point. You know, sucks. 
It really sucks, but I think you're absolutely right. Closing thoughts, Richard, before we get out of here, man. Well, just another, another on another point now is, is imagine me and you. I mean, I think we're about the same age now, aren't we? Late 30s, early right. 40s. Um, we knew the life before all this technology. We knew life before. We knew the world before us. We didn't grow up with this stuff. Imagine what it's like for a 17, 18-year-old right now that grew up with a mobile phone, that grew up access to the internet. They can't – how do you withdraw for some, to something that you were born into? We know what it was like, so we could probably reverse, but we have that engineering in our brain. We do have those neuro patterns and neural patterns in our brain to go back to and go, oh, yeah, oh, it'd be horrible not to have my phone for a week, but after a week, I'm sure I'll get used to it. They don't, you can't get used to something you haven't ever had in that sense. So for the kids, it's desperate. They are going to have massive withdrawals because they're, it's like, a, like they, Richard Icke talks about, and Richard Icke, there's two people, uh, Richard Grannon talks about um, it being a being like a death. You have to kill yourself off. Well, this in a sense is going to be because they're going to have to kill off their online personas. They're going to have to get rid of those because that's that online persona is killing them. So they're going to have to lose their online persona. They don't know anything other than their own persona. They've put all their eggs in that basket. So for me and you to say this is one thing, and we can do it with a lot of discomfort. There's going to be agony for children. This is, and it's only going to be even more agony when you've got a microchip in your head. There's going to be no going back. And I don't want, I'm about to have my my first child. I don't want my child to have to go through withdrawals because it was born in, it was born addicted. It was born an addict. We were never addicts in that sense, not technology addicts. These kids are born into addiction. And that is a massive point that we have to understand with these young kids is that they're born into this. You look at those Black Lives Matters and look at the most of the people in there are 19, 20, 21, 22. They're kids. They're kids. And what those kids doing that don't realise is that they've got their mobile in their back pocket with the contact tracers on them. So in six months' time, who's going to get a knock on the door for kicking that door in, for, for setting light to that post, that, that pillar, do you know, for breaking into that? What do you think they ran in there with? Their mobile phones in their back pockets. Right. Some of them they were being traced. Right. And they didn't realise it. They were being set up. And that makes me feel very sad for these kids because they think they're doing, a lot of them will think they're doing the right thing because they're in a cult. And that makes me feel really sad. And I think that's the work that we, we do, Billy, is we go, look, kids, like your mum and dad did. You're jumping into a fire pit here. Don't do it. They're telling you that it's warm in there. It's not as, as warm and it's also going to burn your skin off. Don't run in there and smash that building up with your mobile phone in your back pocket because you've got a con you've got a bloody tracking system in your back pocket. How do you think they're going to find you in six months' time? Then you're going to have a criminal record. Then you're going to spend time in prison and then you're never going to get a job because you did what you thought was right. They're setting you up and that's what makes me feel really sad about this whole riot thing is not actually necessarily the riot thing which is one thing it's actually these kids have got mobile phones in their back pockets and they've all got probably got the contact tracing app on their phone without even knowing it's been activated that's sad that makes me feel really sad so um one thing to just maybe take away from this is it's something i've never heard anyone mention that before oh actually no i've heard max egan mention it today when i watched the video other than that no one's thinking about the fact that those kids have got and hex on them. Wow. 
Wow, God bless. You know, um, I'll tell you this. Um, I don't know how you grew up, right? But um, I grew up addicted to TV. I'm still addicted to TV to the point where I don't even really get to watch much television anymore just because I'm so busy. But sometimes I'll just have it on in the background just because. Just to be able to operate, right? So I, I throw it on in the background while I'm cooking or while I'm studying like I have Russia Today on or something. Fox, depending if Tucker Carlson is on or something. I'll have something on. Sometimes I watch trash television. I watch 90 Day Fiance. Don't judge me, people, okay? Mm. Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but listen, like, I mean, I, I was addicted to television hard, right? And it was a precursor. It's like a gateway drug, quote unquote, right? Um, I think, uh, you know, I, I often try to trace back what the dividing line was, what, what the, the right line where the balance was perfect shouldn't have been messed with. We couldn't go over because once we, get, we went over, there was no turning back. The television is a good way to look at that. It could be the television. You can make an argument for the radio. I don't know. I, I really like the radio. I, I don't know how bad it was for people. I don't, I don't think it was, but I'm sure there are other researchers out there that might say something. There's plenty of them that say stuff about the television. But then you go back to the Industrial Revolution, and maybe that's, that's where it was. That's where we lost our innocence, man, as far as, as, far as a species. And, uh, and we uh, dove into this. And while it gave us a lot of freedoms and a lot of convenience, it's killing us at the same time just because we don't know what the hell we're dealing with. Richard, it was an absolute ple- pleasure to have you here with me uh, for The Fringe. I'm putting this up ASAP. You know, um, I haven't put out an episode this week, so I'm going to put this up ASAP. And uh, thank you, man. You're, you're doing excellent work, man. And, and thank you for everything you've done for me. As I've said before, uh, you and the Ikes and everyone else over at Iconic, uh, big shouts to um, everyone on the platform. Really appreciate it. Neil Sanders, what's going on? Um, and uh, that's it, man. Uh, tough. It's tough times. And sometimes you just got to hear the tough, the tough things and... Uh, move forward from there and try to figure it out, man. It's not easy, man. It's never been easy. And it's only going to get harder. It's the infinite fringe. My name is Billy Ray Valentine. Mr. Willett, tell everybody where they can find you and where they can see the film. Cheers, Billy. Thank you. And thank you for all your work as well. We love obviously working with you guys. This is the most important thing that people can <coughs> hear right now is this information. It's um, it's a gateway out of it. Um, you can find my stuff on iconic.com. Um, my series Glitching the Code is on there, but he's been on a few times. Um, the film um, Prime for Panic, Lockdown 2020, is available on Vimeo On Demand. So if you go there and search it, or I'll send Billy, um, Billy the link, perhaps you can put it in the comments. Um, you can go there and rent and buy that film there. That would be fantastic. You could watch it and leave some comments and let me know what you think of the film. Um, I've got other films on Iconic, Extreme Hip, Danger, Extreme Hypnosis, which is about how they use mind control methods throughout all areas of your life to do this exact thing. Um, and that was with Jonathan Royal. I'm really pleased with that film. And um, we went all over London filming that. Um, so yeah, you can go over there and see my stuff there and glitchingthecode.com. You can see my articles over there and my podcast go on there as well. That's my website. Um, and uh, yeah, follow me on there on YouTube. I've got a channel as well. Um, Glitching the Code and uh, Rick in the Wall on Twitter. And yeah, thank you so much for having me as well and, and listen to me ramble on. It's nice to chat to you. You go a bit mad if you don't get to talk to people about this stuff. And that's another 
thing all together. So I really appreciate you and I appreciate all the work you're doing and appreciate everybody who's been in the film and everyone who's left comments, kind comments, because um, this stuff is a, is a uh, passion. And it's the man's search for meaning was the book, by the way. And he found a um, he found his meaning. And my meaning is to, to look into these things and tell people about these things, at least give them the heads up to make a decision for themselves an informed choice. So thank you for your time, mate. Thank you for your time, buddy. I appreciate it. It's the Infinite Fringe. Make sure you check out everything we got going on. We got more shows dropping this week. I'm talking to uh, a few people. I'm not going to mention it because when I do that, it never freaking happens. Go over to TFR. There's stuff there. It's <laughs> true, man. Go over to TFR. Uh, there's stuff there that isn't on the podcast feed, and there's stuff on the podcast feed that isn't on TFR. So, uh, and of course, iconic seven day free trial. I think it's still uh, up. You can go check out anything we got going on over there. America Unplugged. I drop a new episode every Sunday. So go do that. Plus, get David Ike, man. David Ike drop something new. Uh, once a week at least over there on Iconic so go check that and you got Mr. Willett over there and everyone else so um, seven, day, seven day free trial for free can't go wrong alright it's the Infinite Fringe God bless each and every one of you take it easy now bye bye